the holiday seasons. Next four to five weeks should be an absolute blur for some of us. And uh, maybe eating too much food. The chaos probably has already started this week. Um, I do like the holidays. holidays. I'm one of those guys tried to decorate the house last night. And just like every typical uh, holiday, it took us four hours to do a half an hour job and we're not done yet. But um, we tried to keep our cool. Um, the, the seasons are always interesting to me, but what I've realized lately is how much they can actually change over the years, right? So Kim and I were talking, like Christmas to me, you know, when I was a kid, it was always about what I'm getting for a present, and then I remember my first Christmas or two being married and how different that was. I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm not waking up in my parents' house anymore. Now it's Kim and I, and then you have kids, and you're like, oh my goodness, I can't wait to see their expression, but that's for like... That's like two, three years down the road. When you have babies, it's like, yay, and you realize they still don't do anything on Christmas morning. And then, uh, you know, now my kids are like teenagers. Now it's like they should be getting really big gifts, which is nice. And then eventually you realize, like, all that changes too soon so that the kids are gone. Not that I'm trying to get sad right away, but um, you understand that every season of life is different. And I, the reason I'm saying all these things is I think sometimes, at least for my own walk with the Lord, is that... Even though I know all those changes are coming, you always want to try to stay in the same season, it seems. You're always trying to stay in the stage of life you're in, and then when you actually get out of it, it's almost like you're shocked that, like, what, what happened, and, and all those kinds of thoughts. And yet, our faith is one where God will take us through different stages of life. And we always seem to, um, as soon as, at least for me, as soon as I figure out one stage, I'm into the next. And I'm like, oh, come on, I just got this. Let me just stay there for a few, few more years. Maybe we can build on some of the things you taught me, Lord. But uh, it seems like that's just not the way life goes. And so I'm reminded in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, it says, To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. And God's sovereignty through it all. That God is sovereign and His will shall be done, His perfect will. And that we need to be a people that recognize uh, that seasons come and go. Um, and yet, at the end of that book there in Ecclesiastes, what's the concluding matters? To fear God and to keep His commandments. And you'll do fine. And so I wanted to uh, maybe challenge us today. I wanted to look at Abraham's calling. Uh, I wanted to look at uh, Abraham's calling because I think there's three areas um, through every stage of life that seem to be a struggle in every different stage of keeping Christ first. Uh, and God wants to be first. And God will do uh, what he needs to do in order to constantly show himself to where I come first in every stage of life. I come first. I have the preeminence. And so we'll look at Genesis chapter 12. We'll start in verse 1. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country. I'm sorry, I did it too soon. I hear too many papers. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. 
and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And all and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Oh, God the Father, we thank you so much for uh, your word, that it might um, teach us about who you are and how to live. And so, Lord, it is our desire this morning that uh, we simply uh, extol your name, that your name would be lifted up, and that we would be a people uh, that are willing to be taught. And so the, uh, the result of spending time in your word is that we would love you more and that we would look like you more, that uh, we would represent you uh, so that when people see us, uh, they actually see an uh, image of you. And so again, Lord, we thank you that uh, one day in heaven, uh, we will bear on our forehead uh, your name. We will have perfect resemblance. And so thank you that uh, no matter what happens, your work is complete um, and that you are in control. But, Lord, we pray that uh, your spirit would do a work, uh, that uh, we would be a people uh, that learn from you. In your name, amen. Seventy-five years old. I don't want to offend anyone, but I think that's old. Thank you. All right. I mean, I really, I, I cannot imagine being 75. You've got to think of how established Abraham is at the time Abram. Completely established in his life. And God gives him a calling and says, you're going to leave. Now, that looks like a cool Bible story to me. And when I was a kid and, and my different stages of life, I was like, well, of course, Abraham, when he heard God's voice, well, why not? I would tell you, it would be hard to leave right now for me. Be very hard. Uh, you know, I don't even like this state. But uh, for God to tell me to get up and move, that would be extremely hard. Because I have a lot of stuff here that I like, and I'm familiar with a lot of things here. And um, we're establishing a life here, right? And so God has this calling to someone who is 75 years old. It says, get up and leave. Uh, what a great <laughs> proposal. And look what he said. If you leave, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. Now, I think it's the same for every believer in the room. Now, obviously, we don't get uh, what Abraham gets. That would be bad hermeneutics. But at the same time, there's no greater blessing than the gospel. And so we have been blessed with spiritual life. Those of us who have accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, that we get heaven. And he does make our name great because you are now adopted into the family of God. And so your name is now tied in with God's name. That's an amazing thing. That's an amazing thing. And so in those things, we are truly blessed. But I love the fact that he says, and you shall be a blessing is that God not only saves us, but then in turn wants to make us bless other people. That's the whole point of him living in, in us sometimes, right? Is that we would bless God the Father and bless other people. And he can make us a blessing when he does a great work. We should be excited about our salvation, guys. Because he indwells in us, 
We are not only blessed, but we can actually bless other people during these seasons of life. You can actually do that. And so I'm encouraged. However, all of these were at a decision for Abraham where he had to obey first. The gospel is an obedience issue. We were, uh, I don't know when we were talking about it. We are just talking about working out uh, your salvation and the fullness of your salvation. Um, we're, I think we are talking about it at Thanksgiving, and some of the kids were like, well, wait, wait a minute, you know, you're already saved, so how can you work out your salvation? What does that mean? Um, the gospel is more deeper than just you getting saved. <laughs> it's you now living a Christian life. It's the eternity that uh, awaits us, right? And so this is an obedience issue. Will we take God for what he says? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And that continues through every stage of life. Do you trust me what I say? You trusted me for your salvation. Will you now trust me on how you should live? Will you trust me? In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 8, it says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whether he went. That's why we call Abraham such a great father of faith. That's why he has so many uh, references to him. He's 75 years old, living in Mesopotamia, where there is nothing but false gods. You can read about it in Judges, I mean Joshua chapter 24. His father's an idol worshiper. His grandfather is. He grew up in a family that worshipped idols and carved things. And God called him and he left it to go follow God, not even knowing where he was going. That takes great faith. And he did it at a stage of his life where he was 75 years old. 75 years old. To me, I would be pretty established by then. I want us to consider the cost of following the Lord. Because I think the things that God has asked of Abraham, he has asked us to do the same. In different ways, sure, but the principle would be the same. Number one, he asked Abram to leave his country. That which is familiar to you. Leave what you grew up with. Leave what you know. All you know, Abraham, is your father's house, the idol worship. You probably go to the local town. You know where to get your stuff, who sells the best meat. If something breaks, you know who to go to fix it. I love my father. My father still to this day, if I ever have a car problem, wants me to drive it an hour and ten minutes to his mechanic. I said, not doing it, Dad. <laughs> There's actually mechanics where I live. But in his mind, it's like, well, that's what you do. I mean, you, you, know, you go to Riverside right there in Ledger, Connecticut. I'm like, I'm not doing that. I've, I've moved. There's mechanics down here. I think they're okay. I think they can fix my car. But some of us struggle with leaving that which is familiar to us, right? And this is the thing that surprises me, is that life's always changing. Life's always changing, especially when we get into the holiday season. This is where some people really struggle. Oh, man, remember when, you know, we used to have kids and now the kids are grown. 
Now, instead of Christmas at our house, we have to go to our kids' house for Christmas. And we've got to wait till like, nighttime. <laughs> that, that, that can be a struggle for people because things change. Remember when I used to have money to spend on my wife, and now I've got to spend money on my kids. <laughs> right? And so you know that me and my wife, we talk about this every year. It's like, listen, we're too old for gifts. Let's just spend all the money on kids. And then we go, well, I don't know. We should probably get each other a few things, though. <laughs> right? And things change. Things change with that kind of stuff. At one point, there will be a time where hopefully there's no more children in my house. <laughs> okay? And there will be a time where Christmas and the holidays will be different from there. They'll be different. And you know what? That's inevitable. And that's okay. And so I'm just trying to build up the idea that sometimes when things change, our faith gets shaken. And yet change is coming. And so if we really put our trust in the Lord, as Abraham did, and it really doesn't matter where he goes, because he's relying on the Lord. He's relying on the Lord. One of the hardest things in life to do is to leave your upbringing, <laughs> and to leave how you normally do life, what you're familiar with. I love the story of the disciples. When they are in the boat, and there's a huge storm. And Jesus comes walking on the water. And Peter is the only one that sits there and says, Lord, I'll come to you. Just ask me to come and I'll walk on the water. I think I mentioned this before. It just it struck me when I studied it and was looking at it. Why do the other disciples stay in the boat? What? The, the boat's going down. <laughs> they know. They're fishermen. They know what kind of storm is on the sea. They know they're sinking. But that's what they're familiar with. They trust the boat more than this person walking on the water because I doubt they've ever seen someone walking on the water. <laughs> and all they know is that the boat's supposed to protect us. The boat is our safety. The boat is our security. And if we step outside of the boat, we lose that security. And now we're in the unknown. We have to take steps of faith. And yet I can see a man standing on the water. So I know it can happen. And now I'm watching Peter on the water. It's not just Jesus. He's allowing Peter to go. Why are the other disciples still in the boat? They cannot let go of that which is familiar to them. They refuse to. They refuse to. I cannot imagine what the family conversation was with Abraham at age 75 when he goes, God, talk to me. And I, um, again, glorified imagination. I guarantee his father said, which God? Which one talked to you? No, 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 no. Dad, the true God. Well, I got tons of gods. You want me to get one out of my closet? Is that the one that talked to you? That's where he's at. And he goes, guys, I'm leaving. Leaving? Where are you going to go? Don't know. Where are you going to go? Don't know. But God told me to. What kind of God is this? He's asking you to leave. Doesn't even tell you where to go. Why don't you come get some of these idols? I'll make you a new one. That's what he. That's his upbringing. <laughs> that's what he's familiar with. I've said before. I've talked to family members and others who who grew up in certain environments. And I just said, listen, if you can just hold out, then you can leave that house in a couple of years. 
you're 16, you're 17 years old. It might not be the best situation. But listen, God is faithful. Put your trust in God. When you're 18, you can go out. You can go move somewhere. You can live with other people. You can do whatever you want for the Lord. Trust in the Lord. They will not leave that house. You know what happens? They do the exact same lifestyle choices that they hated living in that house. Because that's what they know. That's what they know. (laughs) In every stage of life, there's new things that come up. And I just go, listen, I just want to stay with what I know. (laughs) I just want to stay with what works. And God sometimes says, listen, I need you to get out. (laughs) I need you to step out from the familiar. Come take a walk with me. I'm going to bring you to a new place. Our familiarity, we'd rather just stay there. We'd rather just stay there. Listen, God can be trusted in every season of life. God can be trusted when you are a five-year-old kid and you have the whole world ahead of you and you have no idea what's ahead of you. And God can be trusted when you're old and most of your life is gone and there's not much more conquering to do. He can be trusted there as well. But a lot of times, if we are too familiar with our surroundings, God doesn't like that. Because we start putting our trust in where we live and what our circles are instead of in who he is. I give Abraham a lot of credit. (laughs) I give him a lot of credit for what he did. The second thing he asked, besides leaving that which was familiar, leaving the country, was to leave your family. Now, this is tough. Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house. Now, no, we are not all called to just never talk to our parents again. In fact, the Bible would say different. (laughs) But the idea here is where do you go for your emotional support? Where do you go to feel loved and accepted? Where do you go where you can be yourself? There's something beautiful about someone's home, right? There's things that happen at 10 Jackson Lane in Northford that I don't want any of you to know. But my kids and my wife know, and that's okay. Someone does something embarrassing, falls, trips, someone doesn't smell correctly. Hey, for us five, we're still accepted in that house. You have a place where you can be yourself, still mess up a little bit, and you know you're accepted. In fact, that's the way God designed it, really, for family. And so it's nice if you have one of those settings. I know some of us don't have those kinds of settings. But family changes, right? And so as these stages of life happen, if all of your love and all of your acceptance went into the people of your family, well, you can be in for some rude awakenings because families change. People pass on. Kids leave. I mean, all that stuff. Some people can get shattered from that stuff. And we've said this over and over again, is that I, at this stage of the game, I cannot imagine those who took their families and moved across the world to go preach the gospel. It just it blows my mind now. As a kid, you were like, that's cool. I want to be a missionary. Now I'm like, whoo, praise the Lord. 
That's big. <laughs> That's huge. You took them out. Took them out of security of America. Took them out of, you know, you ain't looking for food here. Even if you're poor, you get the food a lot of places. You took them out of a lot of stuff. And it's not just you. This is why it's so interesting when uh, Paul is talking about, listen, it's better to be not married. Because when you have a family, you have responsibilities. If it's just you, go. You can do what you want. But when you have family, now there's responsibilities. And so God is saying, listen, leave your emotional support. Leave it, Abraham. I'm it. I'm your shield. Your great reward. It's time for you to go. Again, if this happened when he was like 18, 19, I get it. Because every 18 and 19 year old likes to kind of go, okay, this has been a cool family I was raised in, but let me go spread my wings. I don't think Abraham has the desire to spread his wings. He's 75. Dad's there, mom's there, can't have any kids. I'm sure he's in some ways accepted that by now. Hey, him and Sarah got married, haven't been able to have kids. I don't know when they got married, but if they got married around 20, it's been a long time since they didn't have kids. In 50-something years. And so they're used to all that stuff. Abraham says, go. Did he actually fully leave his family? Did he do it? Let's turn to Acts. Acts chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. Then the high priest said, Are these things so? And he said, Brethren and fathers, listen. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he dwelt in Haran. And said to him, get out of your country and from your relatives and come to a land that I will show you. It reads a little different from Genesis. So everyone's in Ur or Mesopotamia. and God tells them to get out. They stop along the way with his father. And they stop and go to Haran. And when his dad dies, he continues on the journey. To where God has called him. Now, I don't blame Abraham. God told him to get out. God told him to leave. You can see maybe in his mind going, wait a minute, i got to take care of my father. God, I know you've told me to go, but I have responsibilities. And so let's stop and settle here in Haran. And when dad dies, then I will continue the journey. What well, does that sound familiar? Turn to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 21. Then another of his disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, follow me. Let the dead bury their own dead. Usually they say in Jewish culture that the father is not dead yet. But he's at a stage of life where he might be dying soon. And so the man is saying, listen, once that's taken care of, I will come follow you. And Jesus, no. Either you're going to follow me or you're not. 
Can't let anything come before me. You know, we have to be careful that family does not become an idol. We've talked about some of these things before, is that family can uh, really um, sometimes stop people from growing in the Lord. It really can. And so, I know for uh, even us, um, you know, simple things. When in-laws come to visit, and you only see them once every two to three months, and time is precious. Can't you just skip church that Sunday? Because you want to spend time with them. Those things are tough. But I don't think it's right. Because God gets the preeminence. Now again, I'm not going to sit here and tell you exactly what to do in every situation. But I tell you as a Christian, we should have the forefront that Christ gets the preeminence. And those things are tough. So when church... When Christmas falls on a Sunday, it's like the ultimate. Oh, my goodness. It's like the ultimate family-like challenge. How do we do something so awesome like Christmas morning, yet we have to go to church? I mean, really, that's our, that's our, our mentality. I mean, you know how backwards that is? What happens here on a Sunday morning is absolutely 10 million times more awesome than actually Christmas morning. That's the truth. It might not seem like it sometimes, but that's the truth. Absolutely. And we have to be very careful, very careful that we don't put family before the Lord. Because, hey, He's a God of family. I mean, why wouldn't we? <laughs> but, you know, there's, there's a lot of examples we could do A lot of examples we could do. In Matthew 10, verses 34 through 36. It says, Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. These are pretty deep verses. We're not necessarily, again, talking about never talk to your parents again and give them, you know, shut them out of your house. In some ways, that would be easy. For my own stages of life, simple things, simple things that seem really silly. And again, when I, when I share these own stories, I'm not saying this is how you should do it. I'm just talking about how I, maybe just me, maybe not even Kim, how I struggled, right? So, <laughs> so I remember simple things like, we never wanted to lie to our kids. So, you know, we didn't uh, believe in the old Saint Jolly. Well, I didn't really think that was a big deal until that was something that my in-laws were looking forward to for years, doing that with my children. So now I'm like stuck. What, what, what happened? <laughs> now again, this is like a silly kind of example, but... Because again, not a big deal. But Kim and I had a conviction not to lie. And so in front of my in-laws, we were not going to lie. At sometimes the cost of them being upset. And so those things stink. But maybe that's not a good example, but there's definitely spiritual things that you draw a line on. 
that when family comes, you go, I'm sorry. That's not what this house does. Especially during the holidays. Listen, the holidays is tough. Holidays is tough. People come over. Oh, let's watch this. Oh, we don't watch that in this house. And there's 15 people in the room. But this house doesn't watch that. You're going to be singled out by a lot of people. Why can't you just watch it once? What's the big deal? Don't upset people during the holidays. Don't do that. Don't cause that family drama. It is little things like that, guys, where God says, listen, make me first. Make me first. Even in the big parties, even in the families, make me first. I would like to encourage us again. Family get-togethers, any kind of um, holiday festivity at all, whatever you want to call about it, give God his due. Have a time of prayer in front of everyone. Have a quick one verse. Sing a Christmas carol. Give God his due. It is not that we have to sit there and on our knees do nothing but sing away in a manger during a family get-together. But it is very important that you keep him first. No matter what stage of life you're in, keep him first. Do not uh, let family change your priorities. The last one, he had to leave his job. He had to leave the place where he got his physical support. That's tough. Abram, I'm sure, seemed to be a pretty good businessman. I don't know if the Lord kind of blessed him a lot more after he left, but he seemed to do some well business. Remember, the times of Mesopotamia, not a lot of people on earth, period. The flood just happened a couple hundred years before that, so you have huge hubs where now you can kind of trade and gather livestock and stuff like that. You start traveling, there's not a lot of resources out there. You're leaving the big hubs of humanity where you can make for yourself a good living. So Abraham is going to leave that security. Leave the security of where he gets his support. Turn to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 21. I'm in Matthew. I was like, whoa, I got the wrong one. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack. Go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven. Come, take up the cross and follow me. He was sad at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Notice that Jesus was not necessarily saying, get rid of all your treasure. He was saying, I want to give you a better one. I want to give you treasure in heaven. 
something that will last forever. This stuff will fade away. I'm not telling you just to get rid of it, just to get rid of it and be poor. I'm telling you get rid of it so I can give you treasure that lasts. And he said this loving him. Jesus is not sitting there being like, get rid of that money. I don't like rich people. He's saying, listen, these things are holding you back. You're holding on to it too tightly. I want to give you treasures that last. Let it go, man. Let it go. I'm telling you this because I love you. I still love the fact that the disciples just left their jobs. Immediately, they just, some of them dropped their nets. Again, I read that as a kid, and I'm like, oh, who wouldn't? It's Jesus. If Jesus walked by, I'd drop my net. Things change. You start getting a paycheck every two weeks. You go, um, what, what's the calling? How long am I following you, Jesus? <laughs> am I getting paid? I mean, that's legit stuff sometimes. Right? They left immediately. Jesus is sitting there saying, please, follow me. Don't get your physical support and security from the world. Don't do it. I can, I can supply your every need. Talk about different stages of life. I remember all I wanted at one point was an Apple II GS. How I could save my money. I'd be the richest man in the world. If I could just have $400 and buy an Apple II GS. Some of us, it's like, oh my goodness, how in the world would I ever afford college? The Lord provides. Then we get into the whole normal thing we talk about. What about our retirement? What about all those things? Listen, God says to be a good steward. I'm not saying that. But I think there's every different stages in life where God says, listen, are you really dependent on this? Are you really dependent on your security being your bank account or your job? Is that really what secures you? Because that means I'm not number one. I'm not preeminent. Um, I, I just found... Uh, my father gave me something that said it was all my stuff. He just wanted to clear the house this Thanksgiving. 98% of it was my brother's, which I owe you a folder. But I did find one of those things in there. You know what I found? I found my first paycheck when I got out of college. It was pretty good. I was the head teacher over at, uh, I don't even remember the school anymore, in Groton. You know how much it was? $524. That's what I was getting paid every two weeks. I didn't think I was rich, trust me. But it's just interesting to see now how much that's changed in 17 years. I really did not think I was going to cry at all today. But I think I brought this. It's like the Spirit of the Lord told me to. I saw the handkerchief and I was like, this isn't one of those you'll cry at. Oh, well. Um, some of you guys know um, Chapel's been good at um, blessing my wife and I. So It, uh, I actually almost have tears of um, frustration because, again, 
He has provided over and over and over for physical stuff. And when a bill is due, they're like, oh, impossible. (laughs) Impossible. And it just gets annoying. It gets annoying at your own lack of faith. And even if the bills weren't provided for, that, that's the most frustrating thing. The bills don't have to be provided for. And we still don't have a right to complain. We still don't have a right to complain. Abraham was told to leave his job, his family, and his country. And those three things get tested with us at every stage of life. Every stage of life is Christ preeminent. I thought of the Lord Jesus. Did he do it? Did he do that? Did he leave that which was familiar to him? Absolutely. We'll find out one day when we get to heaven. See how awesome it is up there. And go, you left this. You left this. You left thousands of angels at your beckoning call to do what you wanted. You left that. That's what he was familiar with, guys. A normal day in heaven would be the Lord Jesus getting praised and worshipped and then having at his fingertips thousands of angels to do his bidding. That's what he was familiar with. And he left it. He left it. Left his family. (laughs) Separated from God the Father. First time ever. Put on humanity. And even down here on earth, he was separated from his family. You guys realize that, right? Brothers and sisters didn't like him. He didn't sit there and go, oh, let me just, let me bond with them a little more. This stinks. He had a work that had to be done. And his brothers and sisters were some of the ones that mocked him. That's what happened with his family. Support. Do you remember the verse where it says the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head? Nowhere. A grown man didn't have somewhere to lay his head. He went out on his public ministry with what? With what? He did that which always pleased the Father. He completely relied on the Father for all such things in every single stage. One of the things I love best about the Lord Jesus is all the years that are unspoken. All the way up to age 30, what did God do here on earth? Just worked a job. Worked a job. Was a teenager. Obeyed his parents. When they said, set the table, he did. When they said, go to bed at 8, and everyone else complained, he went to bed at 8. That's what he did. (laughs) When they said, hey, we need some help over here at Dad's shop. Okay, I'll go do that. That's what God did. What God did. Those very ones that he was always the he had to have been the best brother in the world. They're the ones that turn his back their back on him. We have to be very careful 
that Christ is always preeminent in every stage of our life. Every single stage of our life. He has to be first. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you that you are the great I am. Thank you that uh, whenever we see of the, uh, the life that we are called to live, we really can look at you for an example. We really uh, can see that you have done what you have asked us to do. Help us, Lord, in every single stage to keep you first. To hold loosely to the things of the world. That we might be a people that acknowledge who you are. And that we put you as our shield and our reward. Thank you so much uh, for this place. May we be built up. May we be um, edified by your spirit. Let our love for another increase. In your name, amen.